The time has come. I like that. The time is now for Victoria Stilwell's Positively Podcast. She's a world-renowned dog trainer. Seen enough dogs today, have you? She's the host of It's Me or the Dog. I'm coming to train you. Along with co-host Holly Furfer. You don't play around with that name, do you? I am a fan of Shwethy Balls. She's Victoria Stilwell, and she's ready to go. This is a lovely way to start the day. You get the busy bit. I need to trim her whiskers. I see some poo here. I feel a little bit better now because I'm the only one who usually feels stupid during the podcast. Now, let's head to the studio and get this Positively Podcast started. And here we are again. Hello. Hi. <laughs> I just I just love doing this. How fun is this? Oh, it is. It's, it's the highlight of my week. Is like that it. sad to say that? No, it's because you look out for me and you just want to be with me. But this week you get to be with me twice. Because Saturday we have the Rain Dog event at the Atlanta Botanical Garden. That's one of my famous favorite excuse me, favorite Christmas events of the year. So like two years ago, the winners, so what it is, in case you didn't hear our podcast last week, is every year the Atlanta Botanical Gardens has a contest, and it's the only time of the year they let you bring your dogs into the gardens, and uh, you dress them up for the holidays, and we do a contest. It's kind of like a Halloween, but with the holiday theme. And there's always the most creative people in the world. And two years ago, probably still in my mind is my favorite, where that group dressed up a bunch of dogs as a Christmas carol, and the three-legged dog was Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. Tim. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. That was so fabulous. Genius. And then... I I, I remember that. Last year was those two guys with those phenomenal... Were they wine marauders? They were poodles. Oh, Oh, standard poodles. You're right. They were standard poodles, and these dogs were just like Santa's elves. But it was just not so much the costumes that were impeccable and perfect and better than you would see in any Cirque du Soleil show, but these dogs were like, the, you know, we said, um, can we see them together and sit? And they all sat perfectly like in a row. I was waiting for them to pull out unicycles and start tossing plates on their heads or something. They were so well-trained, it made me feel like, you know... That's why I'm not a parent, because I could never even do that with a dog, let alone a child. But it was genius, absolutely genius. And, of course, I'm partial because I'm a Jew. I liked the Hanukkah menorah. So I look forward to that again. I'm hoping someone dresses up their dog like a big latka. And you know what? If you haven't registered because registration closed on December the 3rd and you still want to bring your dog, then you can still register on the day and bring your dog with you. I think you're only allowed to go in one category, though, which is to show your dog off. Right. Because there's best puppy, there's yes. best senior, there's all of this kind of stuff, and they have to, you know, register everybody in time. So, but and you then can still cool. walk up and come and listen to Holly and I speak. <laughs> Maybe you'll sing again, because every year you sing. Did I? Did I sing last year? No, we didn't, didn't have to. It was two years ago, I think, that you sang. And I then did, because there was nothing around. else to do, because they were delayed, and what else was there to say? And there were <laughs> loads of kids great. sitting there, so I sang Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. My daughter just about died of embarrassment. She wanted to sing... Um, uh, a Madonna song, but we said no. Um, no, it was great. And then you get to walk around the gardens, which is nice because you can spend the afternoon at the botanical gardens and as long as you keep your dogs out of the vegetable patch. Which is beautiful. You can drink hot chocolate, have fun, say hello to St. Nick, who's going to be there. Yes. Not Santa, St. Nick. And um, and then if you stay long enough in the gardens, you'll be able to see the Festival of Lights or the Holiday Lights in the gardens, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely stunning. And um, speaking of, so... Uh, I picked up this magazine that was on your counter uh, the other day, and this, I love this, Dogs Today. This magazine is like the People magazine of the dog world. It's like glossy, and it's got great pictures, and it's also, it's amazing. I've never seen anything like this in my in my life. 
I love it. It's my favorite dog magazine. Of and you all the dog magazines that I've written for or that I've read in this country, in the United States, in Britain, I love this magazine. And because it's just so informative and there's so much great information. I love the editor, Beverly Cuddy. We are going to have her on today, our Positively Hotline. Oh, good. Our Positively hotline, I, hotline guest. I love you, but let us I just want to talk to her. Well, we can, but can I just say that I just mm-hmm. was writing my Article 53 Today column. I've written 53 columns for them. Oh, for Dogs Today? For Dogs Today. Congratulations. I just completed number 53 today, so it's, I'm very proud. That's great. How long have you been writing for them? Well, I don't two over two years. Wow. No, no, 12. <laughs> seriously. Okay. I've been writing this for them. This is why them. she, I'm in TV and she 12, trains 24. Dogs. All right. We can't do that. Nearly, nearly three and a half years. Wow. Four and, four and a half, half years. <laughs> My producer's like just four and a half. <laughs> Let's just get Beverly on the phone right now. All right, sounds good. The Positively Hotline is ringing. We don't know what we're going to do. We have no plan. We're just here. Who's calling in this week? He went after her like she's made out of ham. That is interesting. That's exciting. Um, is somebody going to answer that? Hello? Hotline ringing. You're on your phone, and I don't think you're taking any of this seriously. And on the Positively Hotline today, we have Beverly Cuddy, who is the editor of the amazing Dogs Today magazine. And I say amazing because I write a column for it every month. <laughs> That's not why, just because <laughs> no. it's amazing. It's amazing. That's I'm paging through it. the only reason. Hi, Beverly. Welcome. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. I'm a huge fan of yours. I always have been. Um, I love the magazine. It's just packed full of amazing things. If you're a dog person, a dog lover, and you want great information, this is the magazine to get. Can, can we get it here in the States, Dog Today? Yes, but I think it's now easier because um, it's on nearly every electronic format you can imagine. So you can get it on Kindle, on iPad. Oh. Um, it's so much easier now for our overseas viewers, readers. <laughs> viewers. Perfect. Um, so it, it's now the same price for everyone in the world, and it's, it's instant, no postage charge. But you can get it, you know, the physical send out to you, but still some people do prefer the paper version. But And I for listeners it. out there, how would they get it? If they wanted to get it online, how would they get it? All right, well, you can go to, to, to Amazon, you can go to... Um, you go to App Store, or you can go to um, if you if you've not got. Um, you can also do Google Google Play, I think these days, or you can just go to dogstodaymagazine.co.uk, and there's some links on there that can take you to all all the different ways of buying it. Great, I, I love all the articles. I mean, not only just the articles, which are great, and and some of them. I mean, I don't know who comes up with these titles, but I love the dinky dog that you know the toy dogs are not toys. Not all dinky dogs are divas. But even the ads you have, dog walk wines. I thought this was an article, and it was a fascinating <laughs> ad. I'm just in love with this magazine. <laughs> already, but it's, it's alcohol. It's about alcohol. I know. Maybe that's it. But these dog beds <laughs> and stuff. I want one. It's a special wine that's been developed for um, after you've walked the dog. They say it's a human reward for dog walking. Do you know um, what? Which is, you know, in 22 years, that's the first time I've heard that. That's the first time that ideas come up. So um, I, I keep thinking that all the things that have been invented have been invented, and then someone surprises me. I think that's very clever. And though Holly, when she walks her dog, she walks it walks the dogs with a glass of champagne. I do. I, I like to just get a jump on it. 
Well, I think that's that. You're obviously living in a much more beautiful world than I am. Because, um, I, I don't think I could, I could manage to um, keep the lead loose enough not to lose some of that champagne. Please. Well, we didn't say it was good champagne, so I'm okay with spilling. <laughs> These articles are phenomenal. And, you know, um, I love – this one's interesting. Um, talk about this one, if you would. It's called Gray Areas. <clears throat> and you're talking about, you know, we, we know this Fifty Shades of Gray. Have you read the book? I have to say, I have read the book. I've read read all three of them. Um, And I must admit, I was so fascinated because I imagined when they said grey areas that it was somehow a a, a book of... But for ladies of a certain age, that women with grey hair who who maybe become liberated in some way. And it was quite a shock when I read that it was actually about young people and it was, well, the content was quite a surprise. But... Everyone seems to have read this book, and and it's it is I think now the best selling book um, in the world, mm. and quality wise, it's it, it, you know the, the writing is is not the not the greatest, no. and and the storyline is very much the old fashioned um, sort of uh, Cinderella story almost oh, yeah. of, of of woman's life is changed by a man, and the man knows best, and the man. Is is very strong and domineering, and and and, and it, it it is sort of an old fashioned tale, and it seems odd in that you know all the things that our mothers went through to um, to give us equal rights, and and the best selling book of all time is one where we give everything away. Right, I know. I, I would have to agree with you a thousand percent. And what I found interesting is you made it so timely. A lot of people would wonder why is this in your magazine, Dogs Today. <laughs> But you compare it to uh, a certain form of dominance training. Caesar Milan, we know, is a very well-known animal trainer, and he used these dominant methods, many of which mm-hmm. disagree with that, and you compare the two. Talk a little bit about it, because that is so, it's so cleverly interesting, and it's so cleverly, perfectly timed. See, look, even the gods are saying, look, we lo- we, we, it's just so well done. <laughs> well, I, I was just really thinking about it, that when we buy the Fifty Shades of Grey book, the women are buying it with their own money. They're not asking a man to pay for it. So we don't really want to give everything away. And I think when people sit down and watch dominance training on television, they're not necessarily saying that's what they want to happen in their home. I think they're just seeing it is as entertainment. and But in a way, it's a way of, giving control to someone else for a few minutes and saying, well, you know, well, we're used to being equal or in charge. And um, sometimes it's nice if someone else drives, even if we accept they're going the wrong way. And, and I, I think that somehow some some people are now viewing their entertainment in a, in a way that doesn't necessarily mean it's something that they prescribe or, or that they would actually... I mean, there's a big difference to to reading about it in the book and actually, or watching it on television and actually it being real life. And I think that in a way that makes things okay, it's when people watch something on television that is entertainment, but then go down the road and find it, find a, a copy of, of of what's going on on screen for somebody who maybe has only watched a few more episodes than you, and then does something that's really, really 
really scary and dangerous and shouldn't be done. And, and I, I'm, I'm hoping in a gentle way to get this over to people that try and make the difference between what's great fiction and what's great entertainment and really what's, what you want to choose to happen in your life. And, you know, and don't throw all the feminist tomes out of the bedroom window and don't throw all the reward-based training books out the window. That, you know, we, we, you know, evolution has occurred. Let's not go back to Neanderthal times. Yeah. And, and, and it's, um, let's work on the advances. And um, I, I didn't want to totally alienate in the first few paragraphs people who have enjoyed watching the television programmes because mm-hmm. I think some on some levels it's possible just to sit there and see it's exciting television. I mean, I, I, I did a survey of, um, I, I think we had over a thousand people do the survey in the end, and that nearly everybody who, was, who we surveyed was watching. I think only 8% actually agreed with the methodology. Most people watching going, oh, that's not how you do it. Or, or, or um, I'm watching it so that if anyone else tries this on a dog that I'm, I'm involved in, I can, I'm informed. And, and it was it was quite interesting that people are watching hmm. critically. Yeah. It, uh, but I, I, I think there's an awful lot of people who don't have enough information and are watching it who don't know that you really shouldn't be trying this at home. Yeah. I think, you, you know, it's really interesting as, as sort of being the the other side, the antidote to the dominance training techniques. That's kind of how I... Maybe uh, I'm obviously, you know, I have a, a similar television show, but um, one that shows different techniques. And mm-hmm. I, as I promote family-friendly techniques that I uh, and safe techniques, yes. from my point of view, I feel a responsibility being on television <laughs> showing people how to train their dogs. And the responsibility is, A, to keep dogs uh, and give dogs all the tools they need to live successfully in our domestic world while at the same time um, making teaching fun as possible and as safe as possible so that all the family can do it and not just training the the little tiny dogs and the puppies to sit and lie down but also dealing with really complex behavioral issues such as aggression in a very positive way. So I feel a responsibility to be able to give the right kind of information to people so that their dogs and they are successful and that they are safe. And so when I come out against dominance training methods and criticize, you could say, but um, comment on maybe something that Cesar Milan has done or other trainers of his ilk do, I'm often labeled as by those by his followers as jealous, as yes. unprofessional, um, as a bitch, as you know the the, the list is is endless. Um, and I, I'm very far from any of those labels. Yes. I I have my own success. I I don't have an ounce of jealousy. Why would I? And uh, I think I'm a pretty nice person, but I just I I won't be bullied into submission like these dogs are bullied into submission on the show and and bullied into keeping quiet because I think we owe it to our dogs and to the people who love them to give them the right kind of information and say this is not acceptable. And you do too, but do you find that you 
I know, get support from it, but you do you also find you get attacked? So oh, it doesn't matter what I, you do, you're going to get attacked by either camp. Oh, this, this, this month I've been attacked by both camps equally, which is which I think makes me realise that we've actually tread quite an interesting path at the moment because to be attacked by both sides at the same time is, is quite um, is quite unusual. Um, I, I think it, it is inevitable that there will be extreme supporters on both sides who sometimes just lose the plot and just get involved in the fight and then can't remember what we're fighting about. But the core fight is is to, to really give people the tools, as you say, to to, to be safe, to move on, to, to, to you know, to, to make everybody safe and for it to all work. And a lot of the things that came out from doing the pieces that we've done was that um, people are, are are beginning to to analyse what's going on here, and, and and one of the quotes that I really like from our survey was, "We used to think that smoking was glamorous and made you look sexy," and it's those sort of abstractions when you you sort of realise that yes, just because it's on a successful TV show doesn't mean it's the right way of doing something, and but there's an awful lot of people who've watched it and have invested in it, and now get really really offended when they get bullied by what they see by do-gooders. And it's very difficult to move those people. And we've tried in our articles to not be as... Well, normally, when we're we're, we're really passionate about something, we're really sort of really gung-ho. We've tried to be a bit different this month in the way we've tackled this issue in a way that is slightly more inclusive because we, we want people to... To, to, there's, a, there's, a, there's a big chunk of people who are in the, in the middle section that can just be moved a few notches in the right direction with logic and with information and with, with, with just a little bit of help. And I think that it, it, it will not satisfy the people at the either extreme doing it that way because the people who are absolutely adamant that it's totally wrong and it's evil is all sorts of really i mean and, and i can write the article that, that they would love but if you do that the people who are in the middle towards liking caesar milan will never pick up the magazine and will never read it and will never be changed and I think our objective has to be to move people. And it's all very well talking to the people who already know, but you're never going to change anything. So we we have tried to mix it up a bit this month. We've tried to make it so that we might get a few people who don't normally buy us picking it up, thinking that perhaps this is a very positive article Mm -hmm. about Caesar. You can read the cover line two ways. You You can read the articles two ways at the beginning but hopefully we take people on a little journey through it and they will by the end of it be questioning themselves as to well actually why why we why why are we watching the man wrestling with dogs and getting bitten and and then you think well because it's exciting mm. and uh, that's a bit sad really it is uh, uh, sad. I totally I, I totally agree with you now in England <laughs> it was a, about a month ago and uh, the it's gone viral on YouTube was the interview between 
Alan Titchmarsh and Caesar Milan. And I know Alan Titchmarsh, the show was received thousands of emails and tweets and from people saying, why are you having this man on your show? Um, and I think everybody, including myself, was incredibly surprised when Alan suddenly the first time that really anybody of note has actually in an, an interview like that taken Caesar Milan to task and not groveled and said this is what you do and with Caesar's comebacks came back and said no I don't accept that yeah. this is what you do this is this is what we see I think I was as shocked as anybody to see Alan do that but um yeah. The, the fallout it, it, from it was it, massive. It was an amazing bit of television because the, the thing was that before the show, there was so much pressure for him to not have him on. And it would have been easy for him to have just said, no, you're not, you know, we'll just, this is far too hot a topic for us. It's too controversial. We'll drop the item. And there was a campaign to get him not, not on the show. But if it hadn't gone ahead, there would have been no public airing and I think that's the thing is that sometimes it's better to include because then you can deal with the issues and and Alan I think was just such an honest dog lover I mean um, I, I, I reveal here Alan Titchmarsh was featured in our magazine many years mm -hmm. ago um, as a dog owner and has been reading the magazine ever since but um, so he may well have read your columns. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> but do you see with do you see Beverly with that with that with this interview? There's sort of a shift in thinking. It seems to me the fact that people now are standing up and addressing this and questioning this. And you know, Caesar, we're finding out information. He's revealing more stuff about himself personally, which you know. I, everyone has their troubles, and I know everybody feels horribly for the troubles he's had personally, mm -hmm. but it also makes you wonder, you know, that has to sort of bleed over a little bit into who you are and what you do. Everyone has a psyche. Everybody reacts and, and acts the way they do because of who they are. So do you sort of see this tide turning a little bit, and maybe this is good, this is like the, the start of the ball rolling of a new conversation? Well, one of the questions we asked in our survey was, what would it take to make you a Caesar Milan fan? And 47% um, of our readers said, um, if he became a crossover trainer, um, the door is always open for those who want to change to positivity. And 47% of our readers would, would, would like him if he would just ditch the extremes and come over to the other side. And it would be a fantastic conversion. But there was 45% who said there was nothing they could do, he could do to convert them, that it was far too late. And there was 8% uh, who confessed to being a fan and that he doesn't mm. need to change. So it, it was it, our existing normal readership. A snapshot was obviously overwhelming because they are quite informed. I mean, it has to be said that, mm -hmm. that, that they, for 22 years they've been served up a very, very... Um, healthy dose of, of positivity from, from, from Victoria, from Ian Dunbar, from Peter Neville, Sarah Whitehead, Sarah Fisher, loads, you know, all the, all the lovely, gorgeous, wonderful, science-based, clever, positive people. So it, they are a very, very informed readership normally, but there's also, there's people drifting in and out, the pet people that pick the magazine up in the mm -hmm. supermarket who don't know anything about dog training apart from what they've seen on snatches of television programs. And you, you're not sure what their exposure has been. And I believe my 
the majority of my 8% there is is that core people that hopefully mm-hmm. we're talking to that maybe maybe with with a gentle persuasion because that's the thing is we all believe in positivity we all believe in reward based but sometimes the reward based lobby the more extreme element of it actually advocate punishment of people yes. mm-hmm. who don't yeah. agree with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, absolutely, they do, they and, do. And before we go, I wanted to sort of shift the topic a little bit just to ask you, because you mentioned the, the people that pick up the magazine because they're animal lovers and they want to learn about dogs or maybe they're looking to adopt a dog. So what do you see as the trends these days in in the dog world? Gosh, I mean, there, there are so many. I mean, the, the fact is, we've got now more people owning dogs than ever before. So I think we've we've got a, a slight issue in overpopularity. I think we've got passive dog ownership like we've never had it before. We've got people accumulating dogs that they don't particularly want or know what to do with. So there's far too many people breeding dogs, far too many dogs in rescue that no one wants, and it's it's just. It's quite it's quite depressing, really, that mm-hmm. that we've got a um, a society that is still making money out of dogs when really we could, we, we could do with a bit of a breeding amnesty to calm everything down. But it it, it, it we're, you know every everywhere's bursting it seems. So I, I'm a, a little worried about the the growing sort of popularity of disposability of dogs. Um, We've had some fantastic new television in this country where we've, we've had a, a brilliant programme about Battersea Dog Show, which was on at absolute prime time. And it shocked the TV world here because it's had the best ratings in that time slot for 10 years of any programme. And now all of a sudden, the media's gone crazy for anything with the word dog in the title. Mm-hmm. And there's some ridiculous programmes in, in, in development and you know, really, Victoria, can you sort them out? And they have some <laughs> programming. They really, they think that the essence is just put the word dog in the title and it'll work. But the thing that worked with the Battersea program is it had heart. And it had at the centre a really strong presenter who loves dogs. Paul O'Grady. O'Grady. Yep. Absolutely mm-hmm. a gorgeous man who absolutely just was himself and cried when it needed to cry. You know, it wasn't on cue crying. And Every week a new issue, like all of a sudden people caring about Staffordshire Terriers and the people who would normally cross the street when they saw one were suddenly crying about a dog that had been starved and, and, and been neglected. And, and, and all of a sudden Staffords became real dogs again and weren't just the things that were, were hated. Some more myth-busting like that would be fantastic. And that's what, unfortunately, I don't think the message has got around. We're going to have much more silly programming like date me, date my dog, and all these other easy-to-make programs where really these sort of programs that pet owners connect to, we need. We need the ones that make us see them as, as, as sentient beings, that, that we can stop this awful waste of life by making some choices and changing our laws and, and just tidying things up so that the dog is protected, because that's the thing, is it? Yeah. It, it, we, the poor old dog really does suffer mm-hmm. and at the moment isn't protected enough in our society, certainly. And you know what, Beverly? without giving too much away, there, are, there is one day going to be an amazing programme. <laughs> 
<laughs> about dogs coming your way <laughs> oh, from a certain please. person, which is being worked on at the moment. Very excited. Nothing to do with it's me or the dog, but um, something that celebrates the true our love and the, the the true essence of these incredible animals. So you're going to have to wait mm, for it. With that tease. It's, it was mm. a tease, wasn't it? <laughs> but um, I, I am excited. We, 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 we will have the exclusive in dogs today, won't we, Victoria? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll let you know. Um, Beverly, I would love to have you on the show again because I want to be able to uh, talk to you. We had Jemima Harrison on the show, I think it was sometime last year, and I want to talk to you about your stance and, and you you, you've really come up against it, and I love the way you stand up for what is right with regards to pedigree dogs and the kennel club and everything that you've been through with that. So if we could have you back on the show and talk about that and another date, maybe sometime in the new year, will you come it, back on? It's always lovely to chat. <laughs> it's fantastic catching up, actually, uh, you know. So many. I said on Facebook I was going to talk to you tonight, and the list of people who wanted name checks to say, "Do tell her we love her." So they go, "You'll miss so much. So more, more time in Britain, please." You can't have can, her back. Can you tell? <laughs> can you just tell them? And uh, you know, if you can just, we're going to show you, um, or we're going to give you the link that you can give out to um, those people on Facebook. Uh, of how they can listen to to your interview on this podcast and then Fantastic. sign up to the podcast. It's free. Um, and if you can put up with Holly and I going on and on and on, then it's oh no, it's, happy, it's happy fun. to do that. Um, <laughs> but um, we, I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Look, I mean, I'm just reading the magazine. No, I'm saying you're not no, paying attention because I love this. Ma- I mean, this is like better than no, People magazine. No, it is. I know, but hold on. Um, <laughs> But would you just tell them, I miss England so much. I love that country. I love Britain. I love, I just love it. And I, I so am so excited to be back on the screens and it will happen one day. Um, Soon. And I will be visiting and I am, I am coming for a seminar in Manchester, near Manchester in April. And I'll be there up in Manchester, and then I'll be doing another seminar in November with Patricia McConnell, the great, great Patricia McConnell, near Ooh. Chester. Or actually, no, it's more near, um, I think it's near Chester. Anyway, that's all being finalized at the moment. And I'm hoping to do one in London too, Beverly, which I hope that you can come and speak at. So I, I, more I've, on been, that I've been looking for, for venues for you, and, and uh, people have been scouting for me. So, Lovely. Uh, yes. <laughs> Thank you. It's going so, to happen. Thank so you nice so to much. meet you, Beverly. And I love to Dogs Today magazine. I am going to be a new subscriber today. Oh, fantastic. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you, Beverly. Thanks again. Bye. Lovely to talk to you. All the best. Hey, you got something on your mind? What are you, a wizard, a genius? How do they make a miniature? I mean, is there some way, some process they... They physically miniaturize the dog, or is it a puppy, or what, what the devil is going on? That's a really good question. I've got my work cut out for me here. Next time you want to know something, can you repeat the yes. question? Why don't you ask Victoria? She's the expert with this kind of stuff, you know. Uh, you obviously don't dog. know my dog. Just ask Victoria. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I just watched Best in Show the other day again. I love that. I could watch it all day long. Fred Willard steals that movie. That man is a genius. Oh, my gosh. If you've not seen that show, Best in Show, you are missing out. Funniest show. All right. Let's get to some questions here. Uh, the first one's from my hometown, Chicago, Illinois, and Tony. And he owns a 65-pound pharaoh. 
hound. First of all, what is a feral hound? Well, it's 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 like it sounds. Oh, cool yeah. Looking. I mean, they have they're beautiful. They're very elegant, very slim. Let's put a picture up on um, when you're listening to this podcast. You can go onto our website positive.com/podcast, and you'll be able to see a picture of a feral hound. Feral hound, beautiful, long ears, um, elongated body. Very, they're just magnificent animals. Ooh, I'm going to look for one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Tony says they socialized him right away and immediately became a sweet, playful dog. Unfortunately, he has recently been attacked twice in dog parts, one resulting in surgery. He's now showing aggression towards some dogs, not all. It's very stressful. I cannot take him to dog parks anymore because he gets into fights right away. We can take him to our local dog beach to let him run, but we have to watch him carefully. Sometimes he becomes aggressive. Other times he's fine. Please help. We watch your show all of the time and love it, by the way. And uh, I can relate to that because that's, I have a dog, aggressive dog, Barnsley, and he also had fisticuffs in a dog park, and that's tough situation. It's the result of trauma. This mm-hmm. poor dog was attacked twice, and once, you know, it was Seriously. severe enough that he had to go and get medical help. It's so sad. That's one of the reasons why, oh... I mean, I don't particularly like dog parks. There's just, look, it depends on the amount of space and the amount of dogs you have in that space. I spent a long time training, teaching in Manhattan. And all the dog parks in Manhattan, for example, are tiny. Mm-hmm. And you have all different kinds of personalities, all different kind of character of dogs there playing together. Uh, you've got some that are really enjoying being there. You've got others that just don't want to be there, yet their owners have no idea because they can't read their body language. It's just, it's just this mixture of all different kinds of personalities. And because it's a contained area, a dog that might feel uncomfortable does not, is not able to put sufficient distance between itself and the dog that it's feeling uncomfortable with. And therefore, the only other option left to that dog is to, A, defend itself by fighting back or attacking first. Mm -hmm. So now this dog was attacked twice, had the trauma of that, the memory of that will always be in the dog's brain, and now that dog is on the defensive saying, is defending itself, just saying no more of this. So if there's a dog that approaches it in a different way, in a funny way, or the dog doesn't feel comfortable then the dog is reacting in the only way that it knows now to cope because it doesn't want to be attacked again. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult to give that dog confidence again because it's already had that trauma happen to it twice. So here is what I suggest. The reason why your your dog is better on the beach is because there's more space. And... It's the space to be able to flee, fly, fly. You put distance between yourself. And aggression really is the basic aggression or the root of aggression is really to increase distance. That's the purpose it serves. To increase distance or protect yourself or a resource that's that's valuable to you for your survival. So that's why the beach is better because you can increase distance. No more dog parks for this dog again, ever, ever, Mm -hmm. ever. What I would do is I would take this dog to a 
reactive dog class to a trainer that knows what they're talking about and teach it to be confident around dogs again. Now, the sad fact and the true fact is that your dog might never ever become confident with every other dog they meet. It's just too much. But they will be able to have grow that confidence back again that not every dog that's going to come and greet them is going to attack them. So whether it's a socialization class or it's a reactive dog class or it's a somewhere where your dog can get experience of pleasurable experiences of greeting other dogs. Maybe a reactive dog class is not the right thing for the dog to begin with to have him greet other calm dogs and get good experiences and then gradually work up to dogs that maybe are a bit more powerful, a bit more reactive back so that your dog is still able to remain passive Mm -hmm. when it's being barked at. So maybe that's the way to start. And fortunately, you're in the Chicago area. I have a wonderful trainer in the um, Chicago area. Her name is Sarah McLeodry. And uh, she's one of my Victoria Stillwell Positively Dog Trainers. Uh, you can mm-hmm. go onto the Positively website, positively.com slash trainers. You can get Sarah's information. And um, her company is called Root Dog Training. So go to positively.com slash trainers, contact Sarah, and she will be able to help you. And best of luck. I feel so sorry for your dog. I feel so sorry for you that you had this experience. But it does, I mean, you know, I've had that problem too. And you you can enjoy time with your dog and, you know, still give them the exercise and the love and not just have it chaotic. You know, I think part of the problem, you mentioned the dog parts. It's not just the dogs. It's also the owners. I've been to many dog parks and you watch and the owners think, oh, this is great. It's a time for me to socialize. And no, but they don't pay attention to their dog. So their dog starts to exhibit behavior that's not acceptable. And then unfortunately there's a fight before too long and that could have been prevented had they paid attention to their dog. I think that's huge. And it depends where your dog is. If your dog is attacking every other dog around now because it has been attacked itself, then you can't even let your dog off the leash on a a beach where there are other dogs around. Mm -hmm. Better to take it to an area where dog can run off leash. It's a safe area. There aren't any other dogs around. Have your dog walk on leash um, while you're doing the training so they don't have the pressure of having to interact with other dogs until they get more confidence. Okay, here's a question from Marissa from Alvin, Texas. And she says, Victoria, every, ever since your show aired, it's Mirror the Dog, I have been taking your training tips. Too bad my parents go to other trainers to follow their tips because one of my three Aussies, who's a male, sneaks out of the house through the front door. It has become a huge problem because we live next to a busy road. My mother's now willing to do anything to put boundaries back in his head. So how do you keep a dog from escaping out of the house? And what's the best thing to do to get him back once he has escaped? Now, I suspect you may have seen the episode of It's Me or the Dog that you did with me because Cashmere, my dog, was an escape artist as well. So what do you think? You have to do management first, without a doubt. For example, Kashmir was digging underneath your fence to get out. It required you going around every single inch of your fence Mm -hmm. to make sure that she wasn't able to do that. It's the same at the front door. Look, dogs don't have opposable thumbs. (laughs) There's... There's some reason why your dog is getting out. I very much doubt that your dog is going up and opening the door handle and getting out your front door that way. It's got to be some reason whether the door's not latched properly or it is a simple doorknob whereby the dog can jump up and 
mm-hmm. push that doorknob sure. down. That could be that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What we have that dog. My dog yeah. Barnsley's opened the door many times. So, um, if that's the case, change your doorknob. Mm-hmm. Use management to keep your dog safe. Because while you can do great weight training by the door, whilst you're opening the door to let a guest in or to let some a, a delivery come, you've got to. Um, you, you, if you're not there mm-hmm. and your dog is reinforced by his success of being able to get out. Your dog's just going to do that again and again and again to, um, to to get out. So you manage the situation first by making it impossible to get out of the door, to physically get out of the door. If you have guests or people coming in, you train your dog a reliable sit and wait away from the dog as those people are coming in. You, If your dog does run out... Uh, one of the worst things to do is to chase your dog. And I've had great success, but sometimes you have to. I'm mm-hmm. not saying you never should chase your dog because sometimes it's the only way you're going to get your dog back. But for some dogs, they love being chased and it just makes them run faster. Mm-hmm. Or they don't want to be, or they, yeah, or they don't want to be caught, so they run faster. Well, here's what I did. And this was with a dog called Snooky. I remember this, yes. Snooky in New Jersey. <laughs> Uh, not that Snooky. Not that But this Snooky was just as wild, poor thing, because Snooky really didn't have any great boundaries or a family that was able to look after her appropriately. And so she kept on getting out the front door. And when we were filming with her, she was a big puller on the leash, so much so that she pulled and she got away from her owner and started running across the road. The way that I got her back was to go across the road with her and then I went on my hands and knees by a tree and started to pretend like I was digging. And instead she looked back at me and was like, what are you doing? Because I wasn't chasing her, but instead I was doing something far more interesting and I was digging, 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 digging. She came over right back to me. Wow. And the owner looked at she the owner could not believe it that this dog had returned. And it was only because I was providing something really stimulating, really exciting, and potentially really interesting to this dog. So think outside the box. If there's something that you, that a great game that your dog loves, its favorite food, bring out the hot, I don't know. Dig, do something that your dog goes, gosh, that's fabulous. It's much better than what, what I'm going to, you know, other things that I'm going to do. And then once the dog comes back, how do you react? You give the dog lots of praise. And it's absolutely what you probably don't want to do right at the time. You want to scream at the dog. You want to tell it how bad that dog is. But the dog just came back to you. And I don't care whether the dog's been out for an hour. As soon as that dog comes back to you, you praise that dog for coming back to you. Because dogs get really wise very quickly. If they know they're going to get told off when they come back to you, they're not going to come back to you. (laughs) But if they know that they're going to get praise when they come back to you, hey, well, coming back is good. And so hopefully you could use that um, in the future. So I think with all of these in place, that's pretty much, that's some good stuff to be getting on with, don't you think? And I think that's an easy, yeah, that's easy to start with. Um, Okay, this question is from Wendy in Sacramento, California, and she says, Victoria, my eight-year-old Beagle Rescue Katie suffers from severe separation anxiety. Nothing is working to help her, and I'm afraid she will be unable to overcome 
her anxiety. I want her to be healthy and a happy, a healthy and happy dog. What additional training and resources can you provide for her? Okay. Um, she's eight years old. She's a rescue. I wonder how long she's been with you, Wendy. Um, and she has severe separation anxiety. Nothing is working to help her. I wonder when when people say I've tried everything. They really haven't tried everything. But I do understand because separation anxiety is extremely difficult to work mm -hmm. with. Um, let's just talk a little bit about separation anxiety. Um, separation anxiety and separation distress, two different things. Separation anxiety occurs before the owner leaves because anxiety is the anticipation of being left. And so the dog can start to exhibit behaviors like whining, pacing, following the person around, um, getting increasingly agitated and restless as it knows the person is going to leave. That's anxiety. Separation distress happens when that person has left. And that's the dog actually going through the distress of having that person go, of that person being away from them, of feeling abandoned and desperately trying to reestablish attachment, whether that be through barking, through howling, uh, through pacing, trying to get out through the front door, chewing, trying to get out through the window. And the frustration of not being able to do that causes some dogs to hyperventilate, to whimper, to cry, to foam at the mouth, to vomit, to, to chew more, to be destructive, to pace, awful, awful. Separation anxiety is truly, truly awful. The worst thing you can do with a dog that suffers from separation anxiety is to put them into a confined space. I've had dogs that have been put into crates so they weren't destructive when their owners were away and the crates have been annihilated and the dog is there bloodied because it tried to get out of the crate. Or I've had dogs literally eat through garage doors to get out, jump through glass windows. So, if your dog is so anxious that it cannot really cope at all, you must see your veterinarian or a veterinary behaviorist. Because even though I don't like using or using medication as a, I only like using medication as a last resort, certainly for separation anxiety, there's been so much success with a drug called Reconcile. And the... You, you start a dog on this medication, it takes the edge off mm -hmm. the stress so the dog can concentrate on the behavioral therapy that's done. And the behavioral therapy includes desensitizing your dog to departure cues. So picking up the keys, putting on your coat, these are all cues that tell your dog you're about to leave. Well, what happens now if you pick up your keys and then you put them down and go sit down? You pick up your keys, you put them down, and you go and make a cup of coffee. You're now changing the picture that picking up keys and the sight of it and the, the, the hearing that doesn't, is not necessarily a precursor to you going out. So you kind of fool the dog. You also do that with your coat. You put the coat on, you take it off. You put the coat on, you go sit and watch TV. So you're always, you're changing up your departure cues all the time. And then when it comes, to coming out when you normally go out the front door you're normally out and you go and you're gone now you go out the front door and you come right back in out and in and then you're out for 10 seconds and you come back in then you're out for 20 seconds you come back in 30 seconds and all the time you're in and out so the dog begins to go okay so 
just because she goes out the front door or the back door or whatever where she goes doesn't necessarily mean she's going to be gone for a long time because now she's coming right back in. So you change that too. Then while you're there, you give the dog something wonderful to play with, to eat. While you're with the dogs, the dog builds up a great association with a fabulous, durable chew, chew, chew toy with delicious food inside. You give the dog while you're there. And then after a while, you begin to give that dog that chew toy to the dog about five minutes before you leave. So now the dog has got something to do while you're leaving. But you've built up the positive association with that chew toy while you've been there for a week or two. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now, also, what we have had amazing success with is my new calming CD from my Canine Noise Phobia series. And this calming CD is special music that has been developed with the people, the creators of Through a Dog's Ear, which is special psychoacoustic music that uh, helps calm dogs down. Mm -hmm. And this has been proven, tested, clinical trials. It's all there, It's and it works beautifully. What we found is that when you play this music to your dog, and I have people play it a week to two weeks before they are going to leave the dog by himself, um, to play the music with their dog and massage the dog or just hang out or stroke the dog or let the dog do a low-energy activity, build up a positive association with that music. Then when the person starts to do the trials of going out, they play the music when they come back in. So now that music is not just associated with great positive things going on with a dog it's also the person's arrival music too then when the dog's got a great positive association with that music that music can be played just before the person's about to leave and uh, half an hour after the person has left so now the dog is thinking well I remember that music and that gives me good feelings of when I'm with her and that music also signifies when she comes back do you get what I'm meaning? Mm -hmm. So you're building up a positive association with the music. If you do all of this, I oh, and I never like to guarantee, but I, I know the behavior will improve because I've had such success with this protocol. If you, my new book that's coming out March 2013, has a whole chapter on separation anxiety and distress. So uh, you can read the book, You'll get the whole protocol in there and um, try my canine noise phobia calming CD, which is at the positively.com slash store. And good luck. It's a very difficult behavior to work with. One of the reasons why it's difficult is that because whilst you're working on the behavioral therapy protocol, you can never leave the dog by itself for long periods of time, which means daycare, getting people in to watch the dog, family, friends, because what you don't want to do is you've done all this amazing work and then you've got to go out and everything you've done gets undone as the dog hasn't had anxiety for a week, but boom, you go out and then the dog is at anxiety again. That's why it's so tricky to deal with. That's a long answer, but hey, you asked me <laughs> this question. But I think it's, it's a common problem it's too. It's a hugely so, common problem. Yeah, that's good to know. Fantastic. And if you have any questions for Victoria, just go to positively.com slash podcast and you can ask any question about any topic um, or just tell us what you think. You know, maybe you have a funny story you want to tell us your success story or you've tried this. Let us know how it works. Uh, you know, give us a call back or email us back and let us know um, how it goes with Katie. So perfect. Thank you very much. And with that... Good luck, happy training, and I guess we'll see you next podcast. 
Thanks for tuning in to Victoria Stillwell's Positively Podcast. For more information, visit Positively.com. Get connected on Facebook as Victoria Stillwell or follow her on Twitter at It's Me or the Dog. This Positively Podcast has been brought to you by Pets Ad Life, who encourage you to get a pal for your pet. Visit PetsAdLife.org or the Pets Ad Life Facebook page to learn more. Be sure to tune in next time as Victoria helps to change dogs' lives positively.